And we are on air on Tampa Racing Radio. And uh, tonight we are doing our Road America and Irwindale Master Race Review. And, of course, Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Joining me as co-host for tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Happy to be here. Always a pleasure to talk about some great racing, and we had plenty of that over this past 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody had a safe and enjoyable holiday there with the family. Yes, indeed. Our thoughts and prayers, of course, are with the victims uh, from Highland Park. Uh, I was in the Chicago area over this weekend, and unfortunately, I was in the Highland Park on uh, Friday night, and uh, it was kind of scary to hear the news on Sunday morning. Uh, my daughter come back from the parade uh, in her community, and uh, the 4th of July parade, and uh, it hit just a little bit too close to home this time around. Uh, certainly, we've been through that, and you're right. Our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, the families of those affected by that, and, and the entire country as we have to go through this yet again. Yes, indeed. Uh, tonight, though, we are going to do our NASCAR race review. We're going to start in the first half hour with some short track news, followed by the OMAC series at Irwindale Speedway, and then we'll review some Arkham Menard and ARCA East Series update. Um, in the second half hour, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, we do have some post-race audio from the NASCAR Cup Series. First-time winner, Tyler Reddick. Uh, Jay, we're getting some background noise here. Okay. okay. At 9 uh, o'clock, we do have it. some post-race audio from the NASCAR Cup Series. First-time winner, Tyler Reddick. He's the driver of the number eight Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. And afterward, we'll offer some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They did not race this past weekend. In our uh, final half hour for our review show, we will review the, both the Xfinity and the Truck Series races at Road America. Lots to talk about there. And some of that might even lead into our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion starting at 10 p.m with our fan for racing crew, and I believe Tommy Kraft is joining us uh, for that conversation. Well, you're most certainly right. As I mentioned, some great racing. You said it, another first-time career, first-time winner in the Cup Series, but that brings about a discussion. And then when we talk about the race winner and some of the events from the Xfinity Series race, uh, I think that brings up some other hot topics that we'll get to. So it certainly does fuel the last half hour of the show. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and get started uh, with the short track racing news. I want to start with the SRX uh, series because they did uh, race this past weekend out at Stafford Motor Speedway, uh, and they sent us some post-race notes here. Uh, Ryan Newman handed the victory in victory lane Saturday night at Stafford Motor Speedway. He earned his first win of the 2022 SRX season. Uh, he finished Heat 1 in 7th place, followed by a 6th place finish in Heat 2. And for the 75-lap main event, Newman started the race from the ninth spot and made a late race pass to score the win. Marco Andretti finished 2nd, followed by Paul Tracy in 3rd. Ryan Hunter-Ray 
won Heat 1, and Bobby Labonte won Heat 2. So uh, if you want to go through the running order here, I know they have quotes here, but uh, if you want to do the running order of how that finished all the way through to, I guess, well, they do give uh, through the 12th place, actually. Yeah, you mentioned there, Ryan Newman, your winner, Marco Andretti, Paul Tracy, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Haley Deegan, your top six out of the 12. Then you got Ryan hunter Ray, a local driver there, there, Matt Hirschman, Justin Marks, Greg Biffle, Bill Elliott, and Michael Waltrip. And I know on our preview show, we talked about the highlights of some of these drivers participating in it. And congratulations to Ryan Newman uh, to be – Running real well. He was leading the points coming into it. Pick up the victory. We saw he was there with his girls and some of the team uh, people he mentioned in his post race, uh, Bruton Smith and uh, trying to think of the other one. Um, give me a second here. Let me scroll back up there. I know he mentioned too that he felt uh, on his heart um, picking up that victory. Mm-hmm. Bruton Smith uh, family and then Brian Cross. Uh, I'm not. There we go. Thank you. Uh, that's right. That 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 was one that he uh, always raced within his heart as well. So uh, I thought that was really humble victory. It was great to see him with his girls and a really special victory for Ryan Newman. Yes, indeed. It, it definitely was. Now, the next race uh, for the SRX, uh, the Camping World SRX Series, now heads to Nashville Fairground Speedway for a race this Saturday night, July the 9th. Local ringer Cole Williams is going to join Tony Stewart, Marco Andretti, Greg Biffle, Ryan Hooray, Bobby Lamani, uh, Ryan Newman, Paul Tracy, Michael Waltrip, Tony Canaan, Helio Castroneves, Matt Kenseth, and Nashville native Joseph Newgarden will be uh, part of the action that kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS and will also stream live on Paramount Plus. So uh, the SRX uh, only has six races. I believe Stafford was what the third or fourth race. You know, I want to I want to say third. If I'm it might have been the fourth. Let me see if it says that in there. Um, let's see if I think I know they're at least halfway. So it was either the third or fourth race. Yeah, I think they're really close uh, to the halfway mark. Uh, for the season, uh, if that was not the halfway mark, I believe there's three more races. Stafford is the halfway mark. Okay, I think I think you are correct there. Uh, talking about they'll go into Nashville, uh, that's super exciting. The two you mentioned there, Cole Williams and um, Joseph Newgardner from the Nashville area. Cole Williams is one I have seen drive there in the All-American 400 asphalt race there for the late models. Uh, Excellent opportunity for for Cole. Yes, indeed. Uh, It's going to be kind of on the uh, uh, big stage for Cole Williams there racing with the SRX series uh, at Nashville, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, It really is a big weekend of racing in Nashville this weekend because in addition to the SRX, there's going to be the Master of the Pros and uh, uh, quite a few different series racing uh, this weekend uh, out at uh, Nashville. 
Well, and we know that's why the Cup Series wanted to come in there, whether it be at the uh, fairgrounds or the Super Speedway, that being a great marketplace, and they have definitely supported all levels of racing here at this point. So I think we're only going to see that grow, and you're going to see some more names come out of there and see some uh, bigger highlights from the Nashville area as that continues to explode. Definitely, definitely. Um, so any other uh, things that you want to hit on here in the uh, uh, Racing America news from this weekend? No, I think we pretty much covered that. I know uh, you had put up some notes, too, um, from Atlanta. I don't know if those came from uh, Racing America or not, but uh, we can move down to those if you'd like. Okay, yes. I did post some notes from Atlanta Motor Speedway. Let me go to my notes here. Uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, uh, had a lot of racing take place this past weekend, and uh, uh, they... uh, the Outlaws Division came into championship night with the tightest battle at the top of the standings. Georgia driver Bryce Sanders began the night with a 13-point lead on the division, and Neil Doolin from Harrisburg, North Carolina, right behind him. But Doolin uh, started the race in fourth position and remained in front of the pack for the rest of the race. However, Sanders was even more impressive, landing a handful of laps, leading a handful of laps and earning a second place result. Ultimately, that was enough for Sanders to stay atop of the point standings and become the division champion. Kyle Bacon from Buchanan, Georgia, made a slick pass for the lead early in the race and held on to win for the second time. So that was and the reason. Cool. The reason it was the reason we talk about these uh, these divisions and, and these drivers. These are the names you're going to see down the road. Uh, I know down further we'll get, we'll get to the uh, Bandoleros. Uh, we know how many of the top NASCAR drivers have come out of the Bandoleros. So you're going to see some of these names start creeping up to into the NASCAR uh, East and West Series, Arkham Menard Series, and on up. So get invested in and watch these guys now because you're going to see their name down the road. Absolutely. Uh, now, like I had many times this summer, Beckman Malone from Rock Hill, South Carolina, and Nicholas Denton from Pasqua, Mississippi, went on to battle in the final bandits feature of the series. Denton, who started on the pole, claimed the lead immediately to begin the race. In hot pursuit, Malone began to plot his move for the lead right away. The two exchanged the lead back and forth for the entirety of the race, but it was Denton. Uh, to make the most important pass for the night and drive up into victory lane. In addition to being crowned a round eight feature winner, Denton solidified the season championship as well, winning his fourth race of the season. Uh, let's go down and give the running order for the, the associates group, Young Lions, and on down here because we're going to run out of time. All right. For the, you mentioned the associates group, Young Lions. You got Josh Dickens comes out of Miami, Florida. Gianni Esposito out of Decula, Georgia. Garrett Irwin out of Covington, Georgia. Lanny Bruce Boose out of Locust Grove, Georgia. And then Sean McElhaney, uh, McElerney, uh out of Babylon, New York. That was your top five there. The top five in the Byron Power Sports Semi-Pro. Luke Yarbrough comes from right there in Milton, Georgia. 
out of Marietta, Georgia, is Donovan Strauss. Dawson Sutton comes out of Lebanon, Tennessee. And then a pair of Georgia drivers in fourth and fifth. You got Jonathan Taylor from Roswell and Michael Gannon from Canton. Uh, let's see, under the WJP Investment Pros, there we got a mixture. Landon Rapp is your points leader from Concord, North Carolina. Gavin Graham comes out of Lakeland, Florida. Jensen Jorgensen out of Stockbridge, Georgia. Kale Hall out of Griffin, Georgia. And then Timothy Watson in the fifth spot comes out of Panama City, Florida. Uh, let's see, the Masters. There we got Joey Clanton out of Brooks, Georgia. Bill Plemons Jr., another one out of Locust Grove, Georgia. Out of McDonough, Georgia, is Robbie Woodall. And then Young or Philip Young, sorry, out of Dallas, Georgia. And Athens, Georgia driver Mark Swan is their top five there. The Bandits. Here you got Pascagoula, Mississippi driver Nicholas Denton as your leader. You mentioned Beckham Malone, Rocks Hill, South Carolina. From Huntington, New York, in the third spot is Darren Krantz, Jr. Austin Bloodworth comes out of McIntyre, Georgia. And then Waynesboro, Virginia, provides our fifth-place driver, Wyatt Kofi. And under the Bandoleros, I mentioned the Freight Auctions rookie Bandoleros, Wyatt Youngblood out of Concord, Georgia. Leading, Emma Teal out of Monticello, Georgia. Javier Soto out of Marietta, Georgia. Lexi Hayes out of Locust Grove, Georgia. And Topher Allman in the fifth spot comes from Moreland, Georgia. Top five there. How many more we got here? Let's see if I get through two more. There's two more. Just two more. (laughs) (laughs) The the Outlaws. Uh, Kyle Bacon mentioned out of Buchanan, Georgia. Bryce Sanders out of Ola, Georgia. Carter Erickson out of Cumming, Georgia. Baylor O'Neill from Grantville, Georgia. And Connor Butler from Forsyth, Georgia. Your top five there. And then the last group is called the Chargers. Uh, Griffin, Georgia. Moody, uh, Coleman Moody. C.J. Almond listed from Atlanta. Brody Graham out of Flowery Branch, Georgia. David Anderson out of Buford, Georgia. And Travis Streetman out of Ellaville, Georgia. Your top five in that uh, class. So, Again, look for some of these names to be popping up throughout other series, whether it be in the late models or on up. Yes, indeed. Uh, so congratulations to all of those drivers. Uh, I thought it was noteworthy to kind of bring those up. As as Jay mentioned, uh, so many of those drivers move on to the Arkham Menard series and then the truck series or Xfinity series. And ultimately, uh, the... Uh, they move on to the, uh, oh, what do I want to say? Um, cup level, the premier series. Cup series. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to get out. Okay. Now, uh, Bake Drew uh, had another win this past weekend out at um, Irwisendale Speedway, making it three straight wins. Uh, for this driver from Sunrise uh, Racing. So uh, he's 22 years old uh, from Fullerton, California, uh, making a statement. Uh, and for anybody who's probably inclined to discredit his pair of victories in the previous two Arca West wins, they were shortened races. Uh, he pretty much dominated 
the Napa Auto Parts 150 and picked up his third straight West Series victory. Unofficially, he led all 154 laps. Well, and I feel like uh, maybe he's been listening to our show, Sharon. We talk about how competitive and close the points are in the West Series year in and year out, and he is trying to uh, dispel that as he is building a points gap. You mentioned it, picking up his third victory in a row, top five finish in all six races so far. Uh, He's going to be tough to beat, and he's going to win by a margin uh, this year, I think. Yes, indeed. He won uh, two two, uh, road course races at Portland International Raceway on June 4th. Uh, and the second win was at Sonoma Raceway on June 11th. Both of those wins came in races that were shortened, uh, the first one by weather conditions, and the second one uh, because of time constraints. So uh, Saturday night's race is at, on the half-mile oval out of Irwindale, California. Uh, he was able to go the full distance, and nobody in the field had anything uh, for him. Uh, Drew entered Saturday's night race with a 35-point advantage over Todd Souza in the West Series standings last season. Uh, he lost a tiebreaker to champion Jesse Love when the two finished the West Series finale at Phoenix Raceway tied in points. But Love won that tiebreaker. So uh, it's a little bit of a redemption uh, for Jake Drew to come up with that win this year. Um it also makes him the first driver to collect three consecutive West Series checkered flags since Todd Gilliland won four West races in a row in 2017. Gilliland won his second consecutive West Series championship that season. So uh, pretty cool to see that happen. Um, the rest of the finishing order here, uh, Cole Moore finished second to Drew. Uh, that tied his best career results, but he also finished second when the West Series raced at Irwindale in March. So uh, he'd like to do better than that the next time they come back. Trevor Holliston, who is a multi-time track champion at Irwindale and the son of track promoter Tim Huddleston, finished third Saturday night. And at various points in the race, he appeared to be the only driver able to run with Drew at the front of the field. Kyle Keller and Landon Lewis uh, finished out the top five. Then it was Jack Bench, Tanner Wright, Sebastian Arias, Amber Slagle, and Souza rounding out the top ten. So um, uh, that's pretty cool. I know we've got some notes uh, from the Arca Menard series as well, if you want to start going down the list there, Jay. Uh, Maybe do okay. two, not, and then I'll do two. Not sure where you're looking at there for the main Arkham Menard series, if that's what you're. I was looking at the recap. Okay, I must be on a different page of notes than what you uh, what you sent me. I got the West series still up here. Whoops. Well, that is the West Ooh. series. Oh, okay. You're still okay. Sorry. Um, I'm talking about other drivers that the season that Jake Drew is having, but some of these others having a very good good year. Uh, Sebastian Aries qualified a career best fourth and scored a second career top 10 finish uh, in eighth. 
tying his previous career best, also set earlier this season at Irwindale. And I think I missed the one on Jake Finch. He made his West Series debut driving for his father, James Finch, Phoenix Racing Team, and finished the race in sixth. Now, Phoenix Racing has won 10 times in the Arkham Menard Series over the years, and they include drivers such as Jeff Purvis, Andy Hillenberg, and Casey Roddick. So look for that team to continue building on that momentum. Amber Slagle finished ninth, her best career West finish. She finished 10th at Kern County Park, Raceway Park, in April. And Todd Souza finished 10th after getting tangled with Joey East late in the race. Souza dropped in the series standings down to fourth. You mentioned uh, Jake Drew with the, now the 45-point lead. But uh, Moore moved into the second position as he jumped two spots with his runner-up finish leapfrogging past Tanner Reif, and, who is in third, and then Todd Souza, who mentioned, dropped from second to fourth. P.J. Pedronacilli jumped one position into the fifth spot. Now the next race okay. on the – Yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, next race up for the Arkham Menard Series West schedule, that'll be at Evergreen uh, Speedway, will be the 1,000th race sorry, in West Series history, uh, dating back to the first race at Oakland Speedway, March 28, 1954. That race was won by Dick Rathman, his only career West Series win. The Evergreen 150 uh, at Evergreen Speedway is set for Saturday, August 20th. Uh, we'll get more on that as we get closer, but it'll be at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, and that one will be streamed live on Flow Racing. Okay. The West Series uh, point standings, we referenced it a little bit. Uh, the 45 advantage of Jake Drew over Cole Moore. Tanner Rice uh, just four points behind uh, Moore in third place. Uh, and then one point behind uh, him is Todd Souza in fourth place. And Paul Pedrinsali, 13 points back. Uh, from Souza in fifth place. Uh, the next uh, five drivers are Joey East, Akuma Koga, Bridget Burgess, Austin Herzog, and Paul Pedrinselli. Now, the only drivers that have raced all six races in the West, uh, Austin Herzog has only five of those six races, uh, as, uh, is the only driver in the top ten who has raced all six races. So, uh, it's still going to be a lot of fun to watch this series. It is. As you were going down the points there, the rest of them from second through uh, about seventh, still pretty tight-knit. There are uh, few points between each position, but still within range. Uh, minus, again, Jake Drew kind of pulling away here with that third victory on the year. So definitely want to keep an eye on the West Series. Uh, somebody else would have to get on a pretty hot streak, though, I think, to catch Jake Drew. Yeah, I think so. I I think uh, he's really on a hot streak. Uh, now, you mentioned the next race for the Arkham and Art Series West. Uh, the next races here uh, for the Arkham and Art Series is actually coming up this coming weekend. Uh, the Dawn 150 will take place on July the 8th 
5 p.m. Eastern at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. So it's another road course coming up here for the Arkham Night Series. Uh, that will be televised on one. We'll talk more about that race on Thursday night's show. And then that is also a two-two cheap showdown event, uh, one race, but two different series uh, earning points. So we talked about uh, the Arca West racing at Evergreen in August. The next race for the Arca East isn't until August the 28th at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern out at the Milwaukee Mile. That one will be televised on MAP TV. And, uh, again, it, we've got a ways to go for these August races because we're just getting started here in July. Uh, but uh, I can't wait to see this Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course race this weekend. That one should definitely be interesting. And while we're talking about it, to throw the highlight in there for the Arkham Menards East Series, uh, Sammy Smith is your points leader there. He also has three victories on the year, has built up a 27-point lead over Taylor Gray, who also has a victory in four top tens in the five races, but he is 27 points behind. Then you got Leland Honeymoon uh, is 31 back, only four back, though, from Taylor Gray. Stephanie Moyer, all five races made so far with one top 10 is at minus 73. Brad Smith at minus 76. And then we got a few drivers that haven't uh, made all the starts, six through 10th. Christian Rose, we've had him on, uh, I believe, a couple times uh, here on Fan for Racing. Jake Finch mentioned that was his first West start. He's got three starts in the East Series, all three of them being top 10s. Donald Thieg out of Canada, uh, also all three top tens. And then your ninth and tenth place, Connor Jones. I'm sorry, Jones Connor. Well, I read it right the first time. Sorry. Connor Jones. Uh, someone mm-hmm. with the first name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure I got that. It's Connor Jones. He's in the ninth spot, having made two starts, both of them top fives. And then Jonathan Schaefer also with two starts, both of them being top tens. And a slide over here to the main Arkham Menards standings. Again, we got uh, them coming up at the Mid-Ohio. And that, that will also tie into, as Sharon mentioned, the Sioux Chief Showdown. So I don't know why uh, the Arca page there doesn't seem to be updating that Sioux Chief. I'll pull that up in a minute. Or if Sharon, if you can pull that up, it doesn't seem to update okay. that. Let me go back and see but, if I can get that. Not quite halfway through the main Arkham Menard series. Raja Karuth, no wins, but four top fives and six top tens, holds a five-point advantage over teammate Nick Sanchez, who's got two victories, uh, two top fives and six top tens, but he's five points back. And then Daniel Dye, uh, another one we talk a lot about here. I think that name's going to become more and more popular. He's nine points back with uh, four top tens and six or I'm sorry, four top fives and six top tens in the eight starts. Tony Breidinger also has eight starts, but only three top tens, putting her 54 back. Greg Van Alst, five top tens, is at minus 58. Amber Balcane at minus 65. Zachary Tinkle is 107 back. Brad Smith, the last driver with all eight starts made in the eighth position, at minus 110. Then you got Sammy Smith, uh, and we saw him in the Xfinity Series here. We'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. 
four starts, two victories, all four top fives, gets him into the ninth position. And then D.L. Wilson rounding out the top ten at minus 175. Okay, for your 2022 Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, after four events, including Phoenix, Iowa, Berlin, and Elko, uh, Sammy Smith is your points leader at 169 points, followed by Jesse Love at 152, Taylor Gray at 149, and this is where it really starts to get tight. Uh, uh, he's only three points behind Jesse Love. Roger Ruth is at 148 in fourth place, and Nick Sanchez is actually tied with Daniel Guy at 145 points. Tony Breidinger is uh, seventh. She's at 129 points. Greg Van Alt sits in eighth place at 116 points. And then it's Amber Balkan in ninth place at 108 points. And Brad Smith sits in the tenth spot at uh, 101 points. Uh, the next race, Mid-Ohio, as the road course, is going to be the 10 races for the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, that's going to be the halfway point uh, for this particular series. We'll see if anybody can close that gap on Sammy Smith. Well, and before we move on here, that's the interesting thing about that. Mentioned Sammy Smith only having four starts of the eight for the Arkham Menard Series. They are the Sioux Chief Showdown, and he's making the most of them. Two victories, has that points lead, because he's not eligible to run the whole season. So that's good to Mm -hmm. see that championship within the main championship, giving some other drivers that opportunity. Exactly right. It's a great experience for these drivers uh, that are not eligible to race the entire season. They can still go for that Sioux Chief Showdown championship uh, and get some experience in that series racing with some experienced drivers. Okay, we're going to move on now uh, to our uh, pre I'm sorry, post-race audio from Tyler Reddick. Uh, he won for the first time in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, this past weekend. Uh, and uh, it was a big win for Tyler Reddick, who drives the number eight, number two children's racing Chevrolet. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and bring up that audio now. We'll listen to it. And then afterward, Jay and I will give our commentary. So here we go. Oh, with our Ken and our jockey here um, with now our race winner, Tyler Reddick, who we could call the man of the hour, but I think it's been a little bit more than an hour now. So um, congratulations, Tyler. We know this one's been a long time coming, but one specifically your team has been, you know, searching for and hoping for for um, many races, but especially this year after a lot of runner-up finishes in, in different situations with what kind of heartbreak finishes there at the end. Just tell us what it felt like to not only win today, but, but be able to come off that final turn and, and see the checkered flag and, and, and know what that felt like for you inside the car as well. It was just a huge sense of relief. Um, this whole team, we've been at it for a couple of years now together. Um, and, and even some of us, um, back to Xfinity Series days, you know. And, uh, you know, that first year together in Xfinity Series, we were able to go out back up, you know, championship, win a lot of races. And then uh, we got to talk about the reality of what cup racing is like. And uh, just 
I've had to learn a lot over the course of the last three years and I'm serious as a driver, but I've had some really great people behind me to, to help me do that. Whether that was, you know, my crew chief, uh, Josh Wise, Curtis Walls, um, just a lot of great people, you know, getting a lot of time at Chevrolet and the simulator to work on, uh, on my driving style and just my habits, my mistakes, whatever it might be. A lot, of, a lot of great people have, have helped an immense amount along the way. And uh, it's just what a what a crazy ride it's been. Just had to put a lot into it. Uh, all of us have. And it's really nice to, to get it finally done. All right. We're now going to go to questions. We're going to start with Dustin here in the back. I mean, I... It certainly does. You know, he, he's been the guy that won more road courses the last couple of years than anybody. You know, and then you look at who's behind him, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, um, guys that have been really good on road courses. And, I mean, we've, we've been right there with them um, a, a lot of the time the last, say, two years. You know, it's just sometimes our agendas have been different. We were here last year, we were having to go after points, and we had to stay out. It was nice to get those stage wins stage point, but, uh, you know, it really put a damp dampener on us being able to go out and battle with, with guys like Chase who won this race last year and some of those guys that, you know, were able to really battle up at the front at the end of these road course races. So it's kind of, in, in, in some way, nice to be in the spot that we were where points really weren't going to matter that much over the next 10 races. We knew that we need to go out there and win. And so to just kind of put points aside and, uh, Put the whole day together like we did and not make big mistakes and just execute all day long. It was nice to be able to come off pit road right there on the bumper of the nine car and just me and him go at it and may the may the best may the best team win and thankfully it was us today. Thank you. Okay. Daniel, go ahead. Tyler, what was the last lap like? Were you also have you have anyone talked to Dylan had yeah, I finally heard about that. I think Richard's the first one that told me, actually. Uh, that was crazy, but I'm, I'm glad it. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it didn't bring a caution out for sure. But I mean, hey, I would have been ready for it, honestly. What, what was the last? Uh, you know, the last five were, were 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 pretty nice. I'd say from that ten to five range, when when Chase was kind of closing back in and right there, I was kind of searching within myself what what I needed to be doing. Um, that was probably the most stressful part because, uh, you know, he could kind of get away. He would kind of close back in, and I was kind of worried about my brakes fading late, and they, they kind of would late in a tire run. Um, but, but up until that point in the tire run late, I'd been behind somebody else, or I'd been on the bumper of another guy, whatever it be, kind of in dirty air, warmer warmer air, more turbulent air, and that, that definitely has a, a, a factor on – it plays a factor in how your tire, your tire temperatures would be, your brake temperatures would be, even your your engine temperatures would be. So, being in front, I I kind of was playing it a little too safe, honestly. And I realized that my brakes, my car was good, and I could push a little bit harder and brake myself get it. That allowed me to get out to a couple. So last night, last were pretty stress free. Uh, it was really nice to know that I had that much left in the tank in the car to be able to hold it off and, and have that gap and then manage it. Ever 
Sounds crazy, but I honestly thought that's where the first one would come. Last year, honestly, you know, I thought the last year it would come here. Uh, we we had a good speed of Coda last year. The rain coming in really kind of was a, was an awful. I wasn't expecting. You know, we got the pull uh, in the dry there, Coda, and then it was just just a downpour all day on that Sunday a year ago. It was really disheartening for me because I had a lot to get to learn in, in damn conditions. Um, and then the other road courses that we got to that came here last year. I felt good about our road courses where we were with the last car. And then we had the Charlotte Roval test in like October or whatever it was. We were really strong. So I felt really good about our chances this year on road courses too. All right. So to Steve here and then to Lee. He's always had a lot of confidence in me, but it seems like a place like this, it was obvious last year we had good speed. Circumstances just kind of played its part, but you know, a lot of the road courses this year, even you know, Coda, we, we ran up at the front and led late, and I thought Coda, honestly, you know, from, from the drop of the green, we, we missed it. We weren't as good as we should have been. Yeah, the whole team knew that, unfortunately, but um, today was a different different story. We we unloaded in, in, in practice. We were strong, and in qualifying, we were strong. Just as the race was unfolding, we were in a lot of dirty air for the most part. We were able to stay close, where other cars would kind of drop off after five, six laps. We could stay right there. That told me we had a great car, and um, I guess anyways, yes, you know, he had a lot of confidence coming into the day. I had a lot of confidence in the car. Uh, you know, I was just you know, stressed and, and worried about how the race would play out if we would have any hiccups, but thankfully we didn't, and things went our way. Okay, we'll go ahead and end it there. Uh, Jay, your comments, your your thoughts after listening to Tyler Reddick um, in this interview. Well, I'm mixing that in with what it, some of what I heard on Race Hub as well. The first thing is that, you know, the confidence they had, uh, and, and I didn't realize how uh, – what do I say? Disappointed they felt with Coda that they really felt they had a short a shot at Coda. I know I heard the crew chief interview saying that that really was their goal coming here to Road America was not worry about stage points. Their entire strategy was going to be winning the race. Um, but then too, he mentioned those last few laps going toe to toe with Chase Elliott, obviously considered one of the best right now in the in this era uh, on a road course of all that stress and everything else kind of going away and just going toe-to-toe with one of the best good, clean racing. Uh, I know he mentioned uh, not getting word about there possibly being a caution. We, uh, we always hear drivers talk about that. They, they start hearing and feeling things are going to go wrong, that they're not going to get that victory he's come so close to for, for him to say, hey, I, I'm glad they didn't say anything because it would have just been that one more thing in my mind. But the way it sounded there, he really had put everything else behind and was just focused um, on those final few laps. And he said not pushing it, uh, he felt like maybe he left something on the table. I I know during the race we heard Richard Childress actually tell him not to use his stuff up, push Chase Elliott to use his up. So, like I said, I mean, Mm -hmm. different, different strategies and things that are going through your mind. You know, he's doing that, but then he's thinking, oh, I still got something left. I'm not going hard enough. Um, you know, it's what they say, closing a race, you know, you can run good all day, but you've got to close it out. 
and we have seen him come so close. It was so cool to see him get a victory. Well, and I think all of that plays into what he talked about is the reality of coming to the Cup Series and how difficult it is to make that transition because so many of these drivers are so used to going out there and just going all out and going after that win. It is so hard for them to learn how to manage the race because it's a different uh, animal, if you will, when you're talking about the Cup Series where it's more of an endurance race that you have to learn how to manage your car to be there at the end. And I think that's what uh, Richard Childers was getting at, too. Make Chase Elliott use her car, don't use up your car. So those are hard lessons for some of these drivers when they're coming into the Cup Series. Uh, But uh, I think that he listened to his mentor and his boss, Richard Childress, there and did exactly what he needed to do in order to win that race. So it was really good to see Tyler Reddick uh, finally get that breakthrough win. It was, and you're right. And it's a tough balance, though, too. and mm-hmm. I say I compare him to Kyle Larson. I know is one that that we've seen at the Cup level. Noah Gregson at, on the Xfinity side, and Tyler Reddick, uh, especially when the championship race used to be at Miami Homestead. To run good and fast, you had to be up on the wall. In the closing laps, if you got a five second lead, do you tell them to come off the wall and run a little less hard? But that's what they're used to. That's their level of comfort but it can also bite him. So it's finding that balance, you, you know, and he mentioned it. He, he, he said he was checking up a little bit, but also felt like he was leaving something on the table as Elliot was catching him. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, that torn between what to do. Mm-hmm. But he, he did the right thing and, and he was able to come up with that victory. And it, it's a hard lesson uh, because if you think about racing, uh, especially young racers, uh, that's the mentality is to go out there and give it everything you've got in order to get that win. Uh, but in the Cup Series, you have to learn how to manage that car. And uh, it's a little bit different kind of racing that they do at the Cup Series level uh, with knowing how to manage the car to be there at the end. And, uh, again, it was a great to win for Tyler Reddick. First one's the hardest. Uh, so hopefully we'll see him have uh, more wins down the road here. And you're right, especially these drivers that we talk about running different um, different series and different uh, styles of cars. If you go to a short track, that is what that all is all about. Uh, the Cup level is the premier level of the NASCAR series for that reason. Talk about some of these longer races, the endurance of it, not just as a driver, but the vehicle and you mentioned it, of managing your car, managing your tires, uh, managing the strategy of how it plays out. So uh, it does come, and that's why it is the Premier Series. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. That's why those are the best NASCAR, best races in NASCAR at the Cup Series level. Uh, that's why I'm never really in favor of shortening the races, uh, because I think that's part of what the Cup Series is all about. And I, I do think that NASCAR has been very, um, uh, what's the word I want to use here? They've been very discriminating, uh, maybe, in the races that they have shortened. I think they've made good decisions about the races that they have shortened and still keeping the spirit of the series intact. 
So I'm not necessarily against shortening the races, uh, but I do think the spirit of the series needs to remain intact. Well, we're certainly treading on one of those topics we may have to bring up later on uh, in the program under hot (laughs) topics, but you're right. Uh, NASCAR trying to find that balance of keeping fans engaged. Um, You know, and I know they've tested different things during different races uh, with that doubleheader weekends, uh, two races in the same weekend for that same reason, Um, giving the fans what they want, the most bang for their buck, but also, as you mentioned, keeping the, the cup series as the premier series, the longer races, there, there's a reason it's the, the top level. Exactly right. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the truck series, the NASCAR truck series. They did not race uh, this weekend. In fact, they've been on a little bit of a break. Uh, their last race was at Nashville Super Speedway on uh, June 24th. The next race, though, is coming up next weekend. So we'll preview this uh, coming up on Thursday. Uh, their next race will be the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio uh, this coming weekend, Saturday, July the 9th at 1.30, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So uh, it'll be fun to see uh, the Truck Series back on track. Uh, but let's, uh, let's quickly go over their driver points. Uh, and where they stand, just to refresh everybody's uh, memory on this. And by the way, uh, Zane Smith is probably going to be the pre-race audio uh, that we will have for this coming Thursday night. So I can't wait to see what he has to say. All right. Well, I know he is the points leader, and I am trying to get that pulled up uh, real quick as we look at their schedule and what they got coming up. I did want to let you know I looked up the uh, SRX. They do have three races left. It'll be, I don't remember, Nashville, I, uh, I-55 Speedway in uh, Peavely, Missouri, and then Shannon Speedway as their finale there for the SRX uh, when we were talking about that. So they do have three races in and three races to go yet. Oh, okay, I was thinking this was the midway point. So thank you, Jay. All right, now... If this loads up here, uh, mentioned uh, Zane Smith is your points leader, having three victories and 21 playoff points built up. Right now he sits 21 points above John Hunter Nemechek, who has one victory and eight playoff points. Ben Rhodes, one victory and 13 playoff points. And the playoff points come uh, with stage wins there. Back that up to Zane Smith. Three victories and six stage wins is what's built his 21 points. John Hunter with the one victory and three uh, stage wins for eight. Ben Rhodes has the one victory and eight stage wins for 13 points. You can see where those stage wins come into play. Fourth place Mm -hmm. there, we find Chandler Smith. He also has a victory, only one stage win, though, which puts him back at six uh, playoff points. Same for Stuart Friesen in fifth, one victory and one stage. Then we got the top guy without a win, sixth place, Ty Majeski. Uh, does have a stage win, though, so has one playoff point. Christian Ecke, unfortunately, doesn't have any of those categories filled. No wins and no stage wins, so no playoff points built up as of yet. Carson Hosevar is in the A spot. Overall, 105, 105 points back, but we're going to look at what, where he is above the top 
10 is the most important right now. He doesn't have the victory. He's come close, but doesn't have the victory. Two stage wins for two playoff points. Then we got Grant Infinger and Matt Crafton uh, sitting at 389 points and 379 points. They are the final two spots that would go into the playoffs, and I believe we got two races remaining. I'll double-check ch- double that before the Truck Series playoffs. Um, Grant Infinger holds a, the spot by... 39 points. The 11th spot belongs to Derek Krause is at 350. Uh, so that's kind of where the focus is right now, and we'll, I'm sure we'll highlight that extremely uh, much on Thursday when we talk a preview uh, show. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I just uh, am pulling up the schedule here for uh, the truck series. Uh, let's see. Um, May. June, July. Okay, Pocono Raceway, actually, they're at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course on July the 9th. July 23rd, they'll race at Pocono Raceway, and guess what? The last race of their regular season. Um, uh, And then the playoffs begin July 29th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, July 29th. So, yeah. Wow, that's coming up fast. Well, I knew they had been focusing on, uh, mentioned right now, Derek Krause and Matt Crafton. Crafton not having missed the playoffs, I believe, since the uh, beginning of it, a multi-time champion, and he's the one right on that bubble. Cup level, we got the same situation with Kevin Harvick. So going to be interesting. It's kind of a battle between those two. And as we saw on the cup level, Somebody below that cut line picks up a victory. That changes everything. Well, right now we do have a couple of drivers that are below the cut line, but they're part-time drivers. Uh, Corey Heim has two victories, so I set our starts out of the four races. And then Ryan Priest has six starts out of the 14 races. He also has a victory. Uh, but what we're looking at is those drivers who have the 14 starts. If any of them do get a victory, uh, it would bump them up into that top 10 uh, for the playoff uh, contention. You're right. For those drivers that are on that playoff bubble, such as Matt Crafton, obviously looking to get a victory of his own and, and build some playoff points. Um, looking at that, mentioned Zane Smith, yes, has the three wins and would start back as a point leader. But then their shuffling begins because Ben Rhodes would actually move up to second the drivers that don't have any playoff points start back at the bottom at 10th, and you got three races before they start eliminating drivers. Um, so that gives a 21 points is a big chunk when it comes to um, adding to your points lead. And Zane Smith, uh, not locked up yet. We see, you mentioned we still have two races to go, only having a 21 and a 30-point lead over John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes, winning the regular season championship gives you 15 more playoff points to add to that bucket. So right now, Zane Smith looking pretty good, but uh, he can't just take it easy because Nemechek and Ben Rhodes still within striking distance. For sure. But, you know, these next two races will determine who our regular season champion is uh, here in the truck series. So, uh, uh, again, those two races include – 
uh, the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course and Pocono Raceway on July 23rd. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, where the rubber is going to hit the road uh, on who our regular season champion is going to be and who's going to be those car drivers uh, to move on to the playoffs uh, starting at Indianapolis uh, Raceway Park on uh, July 29th. Well, and looking at looking at that schedule, so some things I highlight there: the uniqueness of the two tracks to wrap up the season between a road course, Mid Ohio Sports Course, and Pocono Raceway, and then starting the season on a short track like uh, Lucas Oil Raceway Park. Uh, we've seen where the, that's the cutoff race, which makes it interesting. I think starting. The, the round, uh, first round of elimination there on a short track like that can also make it very interesting because somebody could lock themselves in, but somebody could also dig a big hole if they have issues, uh, and that makes the next two races all that more interesting to see who comes out of the hole. Exactly. Okay, um, Jay, we've got a few minutes uh, left here. Let's uh, give our fan for racing fantasy. Uh, update before we get into our Xfinity series. All right. Whoops. Oh, let me pull that up real quick. I know uh, I joked about it. Uh, Sharon and I have been trying to make some moves back towards the top. We closed a little bit this past weekend. Uh, we're going to have to do it a little bit I'm more. I'm not sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be positive here, so... Uh, for the okay. truck series, uh, <laughs> mentioned they did not run this past weekend, so just give the points there. Andy has a little bit of a gap, 71 points. Sam is at 64, Mike 63, Tommy 59, Owen 57, Brian 54, Sharon, you're at 51, James at 50, and I'm down at 46. Um, that one's the best one we got as far as from the top down. On the Xfinity Series, Andy is just dominating this one. He's got 91 points. Second place is Brian with 68, which is 23 points blind. Wow. And that's uh, two full races right now, and we're not to the play uh, bonus points for the playoffs yet. Uh, and I take that back. James is also tied there at 68. The good news from there, those two tied at 68. Tommy at 65. I'm at 64. Mike, Owen, and Sam are at 60, and Sharon, you're at 55, but you're only 13 points from second. Uh, and I want to add that to what Andy's got for a points lead, and I don't know if you want to hear that number, though. <laughs> okay. And then On the, for cup the cup side. Turn. Yeah, here we got the, the newcomer, returning uh, member, Brian. Uh, we chipped into his lead. He's got 118 points. Me and Sharon are tied in second at 99, so 19 points behind there. Tommy's at 98, James at 97, Mike at 91, Sam 86, Owen 84, and Andy at 75. So there again, minus that top lead, the rest of us all kind of bunch together. Now, as we the truck series will be first up, mentioned after two more races, we'll start the playoffs and get double points. Um, certainly can change in a hurry. Uh, real quick, I'll do the overall. Brian's sitting at 240 points. Andy, leading two of the series, is at 237. Tommy, 222. 
James is at 215, Mike 214, Sam 210, me 209, Sharon 205, and Owen 201. So a little bit of gaps in between there, but certainly with uh, the playoffs looming, starting with the truck series, uh, they can be made up, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. <laughs> it's been tough all season. I think this uh, next-gen car has made it really hard to kind of pick the race winners uh, this season because we don't really know. We didn't really know coming in who was going to adapt to its affliction. And, uh, you know, some of us uh, figured it out quickly. Some of us are still working on it. You're right. Just like with anything else, there's so many different factors. We got more players this year. So uh, if you win the week prior and you, you have to go last, uh, you know, last week, Brian said he got stuck with Kyle Busch, um, wasn't his top choice and it did not pay off well, but he's got first pick going into Atlanta. And I think he made it with Ryan Blaney. Uh, I talked to him earlier mm-hmm. today, but that's one factor. And then that's we've seen tip. some new tracks um, this weekend, specifically Atlanta being a little bit different. So even looking back at uh, previous results kind of doesn't do as much as it used to. And like you said, mixing in the next-gen car, who's handling it and who's adapting to it, uh, you know, who'd have thought Kevin Harvick wouldn't be a driver to pick? (laughs) Exactly, especially at a track like Atlanta. Okay, I know we're just a couple minutes ahead of schedule here. Uh, Before we move on, I do want to say a special thank you to Jay. Uh, Jay, we appreciate you handling our fan racing fantasy group and uh, keeping everybody on track with their picks. And I know it's been a busy year this year. I was uh, on the road this weekend, and I didn't get my pick in until late. But uh, I think it all worked out. I just It's been kind of a tough year, but uh, we appreciate you staying on top of things. Oh, that's not a problem. I, I know we've been a little lenient with that of uh, the drop of the green flag. Um, but, again, we talked about this. We're doing it for fun. Um, so that's the, the biggest thing, a uh, little bit of fun, a little bit of uh, friendly rivalry amongst the uh, fan for racing group here. So uh, mm-hmm. no worries about that. And there you mentioned it, having nine people to coordinate through uh, definitely uh, does make it a little bit tougher. <laughs> and we all got very busy schedules, uh, myself included, as this past week when I was on vacation. I know I got a late start on even uh, notifying people, so that one was on me. Well, we appreciate the fact that you uh, do coordinate it and you do a very fine job. Okay, uh, we are going to move on now to the uh, reviews of racing this weekend out at Road America, starting with the Xfinity Series. Uh, Ty Gibbs is the winner there, just 19 weeks, driving the number 54 Monster Energy Toyota uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing. His crew chief is Chris Gale. Uh, it was a 13th annual Henry 180. It was Gibbs' eighth victory in just 34 Xfinity Series races. His fourth victory and tenth top ten finish this year. Um, and uh, also his first victory and first top ten finish in two races at Road America. Uh, he had to beat, though, Kyle Larson, who finished in second place, posting his second top ten finish in two races at Road America and his first top ten finish this season. Josh Berry and third, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Road America. 
and Austin Hill, uh, who finished fourth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, it was an exciting race. I don't know. Do you have a TBR, Jay? What's the background that- for you? Yeah. I keep okay, hearing yeah, background I'm, I'm, noise for some reason. I'm not sure um, what you're hearing. I'll adjust my headset as well. Okay. Okay. Ty Gibbs uh, actually made a last lap pass on Kyle Larson to win at Road America, uh, and it was a masterful pass of the, over uh, pole winner Kyle Larson on the final lap of overtime. Ty Gibbs won. Uh, Saturday's Henry 180 at Road America on the final lap of that overtime finish. Uh, he snuck by Kyle Larson in the number 17 to win the Xfinity Series race. Uh, the win, again, is Gibbs' fourth of the season and the third of his career on a road course. In his first series since 2018, uh, Larson in the number 17 finished second despite leading a race-high 31 laps. Uh, Josh Berry, the number eight, bettered his best best ever finish on a road course uh, with a third-place finish. Austin Hill finished fourth, followed by Brandon Jones to round out the top five. The three-race winning streak on the road courses came to an end for A.J. Allmendinger, who finished in sixth place, followed by Riley Earps, Noah Gregson, Jeremy Clements, Ryan Sieg, uh, to fill out the top ten. Kyle Larson actually swept the, the first two stages. Uh, there were nine lead changes among six drivers, five cautions for 12 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 74.621 miles per hour. Uh, in the post-race interviews, uh, Kyle Larson uh, said that, uh, you know, Kyle Reddick, I'm sorry, Kyle Gibbs, had raced him very cleanly and made a very clean pass, and he wanted to make sure he returned that favor by racing him cleanly uh, to try to go after uh, the win himself. So I thought that was a a huge tribute from the Cup Series champion uh, to Ty Gibbs, and it was very nice to see a clean finish for Ty Gibbs in this race today. It was, and that was one, I I know there was a little bit of a bump. uh, I don't even know for sure if there was a bump there. Uh, Kyle did go wide on the one corner, but you're right. Overall, it was very clean racing. Same with on the cup level, and I know that you're one that really likes to see that. Road courses tend to lean themselves towards maybe that not being the case, but we really did have a great finish there on this one. Uh, I was waiting to see because as top two like that, even if they're pressing each other, making a mistake to see if Josh Berry or Austin Hill would be the one to capitalize on that in the event it were to happen. That, that's kind of, I was listening to it on the radio on the way to uh, the racetrack. That's what I kept in my mind was if these two get together, even like you said, that just pressuring each other into making a mistake. Um, as we saw mm-hmm. Kyle Larson go a little bit wide, or I heard it, you saw it, but um for the third, fourth place drivers to be able to capitalize. Um, that's what makes road course interesting. And yet again, Road America, I have been there. I regret I came home from my vacation there in Minnesota a little early. I didn't get to go out there this year. 
if you get the chance to spend the 4th of July weekend at Road America, it would just be outstanding. A very beautiful country, and they put on some great racing. Absolutely. Uh, now, the margin of victory here was point eight five eight seconds, so it was a close finish. Uh, and But there were some drivers that did run into issues. Sammy Smith on lap 45 had an engine issue, uh, taking him out of the race. Also, on lap 37, Sheldon Creed had an engine issue uh, that ended his day. Uh, brake issue for Joe Graff Jr. Uh, on lap 17 took him out early. Header issue for Ty Gillen took him out on lap 13. And a suspension issue for uh, Will Rogers took him out on lap 9. Uh, several drivers were caught up in the accidents, and, and I know we'll, we're going to talk about this on that topic. Uh, but some of the people caught up in accidents include Cole Custer on lap 43. Uh, on lap 39, it was Miguel Paluto. On lap 33, it was Chris Dyson. Lap 25, Tyler Reddick. Lap 24, several drivers, including Sage Karam. Uh, Landon Castle, Myatt Snyder, Brandon Brown, and Brett Moffat all caught up in an incident there. Uh, and again, that will be a hot topic on, on uh, our show coming up at 10 o'clock. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, unfortunate because that was fairly early in the race, uh, or at least at the halfway mark, I guess, of that race for that to happen. Uh, and really sad that some of those drivers could not continue on. Well, without going too deep into the uh, hot topic discussion, it, it did involve two drivers. One of them, it appeared, made a, a hard turn, Noah Gregson, um, but it didn't. ended up not involving just the two of them. As you mentioned, there was a list there that were innocent bystanders or by racers, if you will, um, that got involved in it, and a couple of them, uh, some hard hits. I know Maya Schneider was one that uh, Brandon Brown, I think, was actually checking on after he got out of his own car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know Brandon Brown said it was a really hard hit for him. It took him a minute to kind of gather himself up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate um, that that happened. Uh, again, we'll talk about it in Hot Topics. Uh, but uh, just to kind of update everybody on uh, where your favorite driver might not have had the finish they were looking for uh, and what kind of issues people had during this race as well. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the points report here, Jay. Before, uh, before I do that, uh, the one you mentioned there that unfortunately did finish uh, down towards the bottom and I even come back and watch the race on uh, on replay. Um, Sammy Smith, uh, trying to see where you said he finished there. Uh, not indicative of where he ran. He had been running top 10 throughout the race in that uh, series yeah. review here with the Xfinity Series uh, there, 24th, and it says an engine problem. Okay. Um, he had been running in the top 10. It looks like he qualified 8th. Uh, certainly put on a good showing in his first start with the number 18 Joe Gibbs racing machine. So I wanted to give a shout out to him there. Yeah. He came so close to the finish of that race. He, he, he uh, went out in lap 45 
a 48 lap. So really a shame that he couldn't finish that race, but it was an engine issue. All right, for the point standings, you mentioned A.J. Almendinger trying to go to it for a fourth consecutive uh, road course victory. Didn't get it, but does have two wins to fall back on with 12 playoff points. Leads over Ty Gibbs now, who has four victories, the most in the series, along with three stage wins, gives him 23 playoff points. So that's going to come factor when we reset for the playoffs. Third place, there we have Justin Algar, and I believe, Sharon, you already picked him up for Atlanta this weekend. Two victories and uh, five stage wins gives him 15 playoff points. Mentioned Noah Gregson, two victories. We see that a lot. Six stage wins for a total of 16 playoff points. Josh Berry, two victories as well, and four stage wins for 14 points. Brandon Jones in six. One victory and one stage win gives him six playoff points. Sam Mayer, the first of the ones that don't have a victory. Two stage wins, though, gives him two playoff points. Austin Hill got the season opener victory, uh, gives him five playoff points. And then surprisingly, uh, we got Riley Herbst in ninth, uh, zeros across the board. Daniel Hemrick, uh, last year's champion, moving over to college racing, though, this year. Two stage wins, but no victories, has two playoff points. Sitting down there in 10th spot, 417 points. Um, Secure, unless we run into that, somebody getting a victory from below the cut line. 11th is Ryan Sieg. Right now is on the good side. He's at 400 points. And Landon Castle at 390 are your final two that would be in based off of points. But behind him, Anthony Alfredo. uh, Pretty much getting close to a must-win situation. Landon Castle's at 390. Alfredo is at 318, so that's 72 points um, that he'd have to make up. Not likely here in these final events. Um, Brett Moffitt, same boat, is at 303. Brandon Brown, 302. Jeb Burton, Sheldon Creed, and Myatt Schneider. Jeremy Clements as far down as 20th, and Bailey Curry in 22nd. Who am I missing here? Joe Graff Jr., another one, all starts, 16 starts. Those are the ones that would be eligible um, if they get the victory. Actually, Xfinity, let me correct that. Xfinity series, you have to be in the top 20 in points. So right now, Bailey Curry and Joe Graff not only would have to get the victory, but get in the top 20. Uh, Curry is 22nd, Graff is 25th. So they'd have two battles they got to win there, get into the top 20 in points first off, and then get the victory. Okay, now just uh, just a quick update here, too, on the Xfinity Series. Uh, they have 10 more races starting at Atlanta before their playoffs begin. Uh, and the playoffs will begin with Texas Motor Speedway on September the 24th. So uh, Motor Speedway will be the cutoff race where the uh, uh, season champion uh, regular season champion will be crowned. That's on September the 16th at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, the next 10 races include Atlanta, New Hampshire, Pocono, and Indianapolis. Motor Speedway Road Course in in August, it would be Michigan, Watkins Glen, and Daytona International Speedway through August. And in September, 
Uh, it ends with Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol Motor Speedway. And then the playoffs begin September 24th at Texas Motor Speedway. So this is the start of their 10-race countdown. Jay. Yeah, i got a little bit more time for these Xfinity Series drivers, uh, but I mentioned that points gap, and we've seen week in and week out. Uh, these drivers are consistent, maybe have a bad finish, but uh, it's going to take a lot to try and close up, even uh, in 10 races, a 90-point gap uh, for Anthony Alfredo, or 72, I think is what it is. Um, that's gaining seven points per race over some drivers that are finishing at top 10 every week, top 10, top 15. So that's, a, that's tough to make up. It is. It is indeed. Um, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, anything else that you wanted to make sure we mention before we move on? Uh, Are there any news? Yeah, let me, uh, let me back out here and see if we got any news updates. One, I did notice uh, I didn't put up on our hot topics. Um, it was a late decision or announcement anyway on the entry list for Atlanta for the Joe Gibbs Racing uh, team. It's Ryan Truex, I believe, is going to be in the car um, as he picked up another race. I know last week they were saying that seat was still open or to be announced, and it was announced either yesterday or today that Ryan Truex will be in the car at Atlanta. Okay. Another thing that fans should be aware of is Junior Motorsports is on pace to set a new team record for wins in 2022. So uh, that not only has the team won 40% of the races this year, but it earned its sixth victory of the season in fifth and seven races. Uh, the win also came uh, one event earlier than the previous record uh, start during the 2014 season. So uh, watch for Junior Motorsports. Uh, they're on pace to set, set that new team record for wins this season. Well, and that certainly uh, could lead into the hot topic discussion. I know uh, we've had some follow-up on that of Junior Motorsports moving to the cup level. Uh, I think Denny Hamlin mm-hmm. had some comments to Junior, junior about that. So uh, if we have time tonight, we might have, have a little discussion on that. But that tells you they're ready. I mean, when they're knocking records like that down um, in the Xfinity Series, you got to look at them maybe moving up. Absolutely. Okay, we are going to move on now to the uh, Cup Series at Road America, the second annual Quick Trip one. I'm sorry, 250, presented by Jockey Made in America, won by Tyler Reddick, age 26, and the number eight, three chai Chevrolet. Uh, for Richard Childress Racing with uh, crew chief Randall Burnett. Uh, it was his first victory in 92 Cup Series races and his first victory and seventh top ten finish of this season. Uh, also his first victory and second top ten finish in two races at Road America. Chase Elliott finished second, posting his second top ten finish in two races at Road America and his twelfth top ten finish of the season. Kyle Larson finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in two races at Road America. Uh, And Austin Sendrick in seventh was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, Tyler Reddick had to out-duel Chase Elliott at Road America for his first NASCAR Cup Series victory. And it was a dogfight between the two drivers, pure and simple. 
It was Tyler Reddick who outdoor pole winner Chase Elliott in the intense mano a mano battle in Sunday's Quick Trip 250 at Road America. Um, the pole winner, Elliott, finished second, followed by Kyle Larson, uh, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, Chris Busher, Austin Sendrick, Michael McDowell having an amazing season, A.J. Allmendinger, and Kevin Harvick uh, to round out the top ten. Reddick ran up front for most of the day. He took the lead with 15 to go and pulled away from Elliott to win by more than three seconds. Stage one was won by Chase Briscoe. Stage two by Ryan Blaney. There were eight lead changes among six drivers, two cautions, and two yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 96.622 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts about the top ten here in the Cup Series? Well, I got to I got to limit it to the top two to start with. Uh, we talked about this in the Xfinity <laughs> Series. Um, great clean racing there at the end. Uh, both of them charging back and forth, uh, battled it out up there at the top for majority of the race. Um, Chase Elliott having led 36 laps, Tyler Reddick for 16. But for Tyler Reddick to, on a road course, get that first victory over a driver like Chase Elliott, um, it just has to be an added bonus uh, of of that. And it was a very clean race, so uh, glad to see that. Um, Huge win for Tyler Reddick and Richard Childress Racing. They were on that edge of, I don't know if they had to win to get in, but they wanted to make sure. So to close it out and get the victory, uh, I know it still doesn't 100% guarantee it, and I know we got that as one of our hot topics, um, but it's pretty darn close as we're getting down to it. I believe uh, we'd need three new winners from below the cut line in the last six races, so the odds of it getting less and less, but Tyler Reddick doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Exactly right. He becomes, I think, the fifth uh, first-time winner uh, this season as well, so uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, to see happening this season as well. And I think I do feel like it's the new uh, next-gen car uh, is the reason that we're seeing that. We felt like it was going to be the newer drivers that were going to adapt to it more quickly, and that is proving itself out. Uh, A few drivers had issues in this race. I don't see any accident situations where drivers were taken out early. Uh, On lap nine, Loris Hesemann's, uh, had a fuel pump issue that took him out of the race. Also, a brake issue for Bubba Wallace. He went out on lap 54 of 62 uh, for a brake issue. And another brake issue happened for Austin Dillon, who was out on lap 60 of 62 laps uh, early. Everybody else finished the race one running. Uh, so that was really good. We mentioned the margin of victory, uh, more than three seconds. 3.304 seconds is the margin of victory for Kyle Reddick over Chase Elliott. And, again, I, I do feel like that was huge. Well, as you hit on those, uh, we see the regular contenders then, especially when it comes to road courses as of recently, though. Right behind them, you did have Kyle Larson Ross Chastain, uh, Chastain having picked up his first victory uh, at Coda. Daniel Suarez, another one in the same spot as Reddick, got his a couple of weeks ago at Sonoma. 
and then another good run. And when we get to the points, we'll talk about Chris Busher uh, as he was in that number 17 Fastenal Ford for RFK. Um, needs to that at least a good start with uh, closing out this season. Not sure that'll get him into the playoffs, though. And you already mentioned Michael McDowell, uh, yet again having a very solid season with Front Row Motorsports, finishing in the eighth position. And Kevin Harvick, uh, we're going to hit on him, finished 10th. He is now out of the playoffs based on Tyler Reddick's win and the shuffling of points. So he's going to have to start looking pretty hard at getting a victory as well. Yeah, it's a very interesting scenario that is shaking up here in the Cup Series. Uh, and, again, they already started their countdown uh, for the last 10 races uh, of the season. So uh, let's see. This Let me pull this up just to give everybody an update here. Um, I believe that's 10 race countdown. Let me see how many races they have left. So we have Atlanta Motor Speedway coming up this week, New Hampshire, Pocono, and Indianapolis. Uh, that's four more races here in July. Then in August, Michigan, Richmond, Watkins Glen, and Daytona International Speedway. That's another four races. So only eight races left. Uh, the 10-race the countdown started with Nashville. Uh, and uh, they're down to just eight races left in the regular season. Uh, it will end at the Daytona International Speedway on August 27th, and then the playoffs begin on September 4th at Kellington Raceway. And there again, several factors come into play uh, as we go through those eight races. We have had a first-time winner on three of the road courses so far this year. I mentioned uh, Ross Jastain, Daniel Suarez, and now Tyler Reddick. And trying to just make up points, you have a champion like Kevin Harvick, who was two years back, had 10 race wins in the season, um, not having one yet this year, uh, right on the bubble. I mean, that tells you how competitive this is right now with the uh, next-gen car. And some of these teams, Trackhouse uh, Racing coming in, firing on all cylinders, if not an extra one. Well, the thing that I think is so interesting in the Cup Series is we have uh, a couple of drivers, if not more, uh, I guess it's just a couple now, that are below the cut line uh, that have victories. Uh, So uh, there's only three spots that are left for drivers to pick up on points. Uh, And like you say, Kevin Harvick is kind of out of that uh, equation right now. Uh, And he is sitting 11th in the series point standings. Uh, But he's knocked out because of the drivers below the cut line uh, that have victories. Yeah, we've seen that uh, get pushed up year in and year out. I know we've had this discussion, I'd say, the last three years of whether or not 16 um, different winners could happen or we have that possibility of somebody getting a win and not getting in. Uh, I know we use the phrase win and you're in, but it is possible you could have a victory and not get in. And we're, we're real close to it this year. Uh, you mentioned eight races left. We'd have to have three new winners that come from below the cut line um, that don't have a victory. 
in order for that to happen. But uh, I know last year, Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500. And as it got down towards the end of the season, it was possible that he could get bumped out even holding that victory. Exactly. Uh, Let's go ahead and cover the series point standings because, uh, again, it's just an interesting scenario that is uh, developing here. All right. Well, at the top with two race wins and three stage wins for a total of 13 playoffs, we have NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, got a pretty good sizable lead over Ryan Blaney. This has uh, grown a little bit over the past few weeks. Uh, Ryan Blaney did have the points lead at one point. Blaney has won without a victory. So, again, come reset time, he's going to get slid down to possibly 13th, 14th in points. But right now he's in second. Ross Chastain is in third. He's got two victories with three stage wins for 13 playoff points. Kyle Larson, fourth, one victory, two stage wins, and seven playoff points. Joey Logano, a little bit higher. He's got 12 points built up off of two wins and two stage victories. Kyle Busch has one of each for six playoff points. Then you got Martin Truex and Christopher Bell, two of the JGR cars. Uh, They're going to come into play with that of Hot Topics. I know Mike put that up. Uh, Seventh and eighth in points. Truex has five stage wins, however, for five playoff points. Bell has none. Alex Bowman, one win, one stage win, six playoff points. William Byron, right now in 10th, but two victories and three stage wins, 13 playoff points. He's going to climb right back up to about fourth or fifth when we reset, as it were right now. Uh, We talked about Kevin Harvick, 11th overall in points, but no victories, no stage wins. Uh, he's actually right now technically out of the playoffs. Eric Almirola, his teammate, same position, uh, zeros across the board there, and it'll be a battle between them. Right now, 27 points between the two of them. Tyler Reddick, with his victory and two stage wins, has seven playoff points, is in the 13th position. Your Daytona winner, Austin, rookie Austin Sindrick, uh, one win, one stage victory, six points. Kurt Busch is now inside the top 16, has a victory and two stage wins for seven, as well as Chase Briscoe. And Daniel Soares actually has the same. Those three, all three the same. One victory, two stage wins for seven playoff points. Then 18th, you got Eric Jones at 414 points. He is 65 points behind Harvick, and that would be to battle in on points. Uh, just not sure we're going to see that happen, but. Well, he could get a win, though. Right. Most certainly. Uh, again, that would at least elevate him up there into the conversation as long as uh, we don't have more than the 16 winners. Uh, looking down, you mentioned mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin, 20th in points, has two victories, uh, two stage wins for 12 playoff points. He's going to be the one to jump up the most, to go from 20th uh possibly all the way up to top five based on what he's got for playoff points right now. And he would be the bottom one. Now, all the way through, Brad Keselowski, I know he's one we uh, talked about early in the season. He is inside the top 30. You have to be in the top 30 to be eligible with a victory. Corey LaJoy and Cody Ware right now have made all the races, So a victory would put them in, but they would have to advance into the top 30 as well. So right now it's Brad Keselowski. A victory would move him up. Um, 
Corey LaJoy and Cody Ware, though, also have to be aware of points in the top 20 or top 30, sorry, at the cup level as far as points. Yes, indeed. So right now you do have two drivers that are below the cut line with wins, including Denny Hamlin and Daniel Suarez. Uh, they displace those two drivers that don't have wins, Eric Amarola and Kevin Harvick. So uh, that's that's why this is happening um, uh, for Kevin Harvick and Eric Almarola. It's becoming more and more urgent uh, for them within the next eight races to get that victory uh, to secure their spot in the playoffs. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I think uh, Atlanta might be an opportunity for Harvick, uh, but I think he's going to have to beat some of these other drivers uh, like Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney uh, for that victory at uh, Atlanta. Most certainly. It's going to be a barn burner over here in hot Atlanta, as I put up on our chart. The one thing I look at, how interesting this is, if we were to get another first-time winner uh, on the year from below the cut line, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon uh, should be good at Atlanta. That would move Christopher Bell in eighth spot in points out of the playoffs as he doesn't have a victory. Uh, and then Truex would be ni- next. You're talking seventh and eighth out of 16, and they could get bumped out if yeah. we get that another first-time winner for the year. Yeah. So you know they're, both of those drivers are going to be racing hard at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, if not for the victory, at least to secure their spot points-wise, uh, but it's not a guarantee if somebody below that cut line wins. So uh, interesting scenario. Uh, we are at the top of the hour, though, Jay, and it is now time for us uh, to move over to our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for tonight's conversation is uh, our Fame for Racing crew member, Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. We're doing good. Uh, I barely heard you there, Tommy. I'm not sure why. How are y'all tonight? Thanks for having me back. Oh, glad to be on. There you are. Okay. It's uh, always great to have you on the show, and uh, we always enjoy uh, hearing your point of view. Uh, let's have you go ahead and start us off with the first top topic here. with um, Noah Graxon's um, wreck this weekend or intentional wreck uh, at uh, Road America. Okay. Uh, Jay, your thoughts about that? Well, they've kind of changed over the uh, over the past two days. Um, first off, I want to give a shout-out here. Uh, we got a new listener, a friend of mine from – little further south, uh, Jared Hudson uh, coming on board and listening tonight. Uh, he's another dirt track guy that covers dirt track racing, so appreciate Jared listening. Talking about Noah Gregson, though, um, that was a tough one. I, and I know Mike's got his opinion, and, and we've heard it a little bit already. Um, well, did we heard it on blatant. our channel, but I don't think our listeners have heard his opinion yet. Uh, right. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, w- he's expressed his opinion on Noah Gregson over over two or three years. So, 
I was kind oh, of going off true. of that. You're right about that. <laughs> it, uh, it did, even on the radio, uh, from what announcers were saying, appear to be an intentional hit. I watched the race when I got home. The first replay I saw, it looked like he kind of came off the curb. Second one, uh, as they slowed it down and replayed it, not so much. Um, that he definitely appeared to turn into him out of anger and frustration. Uh, the way he hit him on the straightaway, it didn't look like he meant to turn him or hook him, just bang him and let him know. What I didn't like was that put it right in the driver's side door. As it turned out, it did hook him uh, and caused a melee. As uh, uh, Sharon, I don't remember how many you said, uh, seven or eight cars that were involved in it, and some of them in some hard hits. So the question becomes, does NASCAR penalize them? And I didn't have my chart pulled up. I know Mike posted something that there was at least discussion of anything was on the table as far as possible penalties. Let me see if I can pull that up here. Nope, I went under fantasy, sorry. Anyway, um, I can't say I would blame NASCAR if they were to penalize them. Because apparently there, too, he did admit it post-race that what he had done. Uh, that I hadn't heard yet, but uh, apparently he did admit it, which leads me to believe NASCAR may have to step in and do something. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, but we've seen it in the past. Uh, Kyle Busch comes to mind. He knows he did it, but he won't admit it because then you can't prove intent, you know, um, which would make it a lot harder uh, for NASCAR to do something. The only thing I worry about is – and Sharon, I know this will lead into a separate hot topic for you. We have seen some bump and runs or some aggressive driving, whether it be for a victory or a stage win or anything, where do you draw the line of, I don't want to see it become, I believe it's Formula One and uh, some of the open wheels that have the race steward that make calls that determine a race. Sometimes I feel it's just racing. You got to let them race. This may have crossed over that line though. So like I said, if NASCAR decides to penalize them, there is enough there that I feel they are justified in it. I just don't want to see them put in a box where they are now making judgment calls as every set of cars or, or every set of drivers are racing hard throughout a race. If they happen to wreck that they have to then make a call as well. Was it intentional? Okay. Yeah. Um, he admitted, I think in his post race interview uh, that, uh, it was an intentional thing. He said uh, something to the effect of he'd had enough. Uh, there were several, incid- several incidents beforehand uh, that had taken place between the two drivers. And uh, I guess Noah took it upon himself to say enough is enough. Um, I'm looking uh, at a, I'm trying to find the folder here uh, that I can. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find a folder here. Um, uh, I don't know. Deleted. I'm trying to find the folder that gives his post-race interview, and I'm having a hard time coming up with that. So um, maybe he says it in here. Uh, anyway, he did say that uh, he felt like uh, – he had had enough with uh, the driver in question, and so he he took it upon himself to uh, send a message. The problem with that, and Mike brings it up here uh, in his comments, 
Uh, Noah's beef with one driver destroyed a lot of uninvolved cars this weekend, uh, including quite a few few who can't really afford to destroy cars like that. And if I go back and look at the cars that were involved, and I don't know if Tyler Reddick, uh, Tyler Reddick was out on lap 25 because of an accident. Um, but the drivers that were all involved in this particular instant, uh, accident were Sage Karam, uh, Karam, or however you pronounce that, uh, Landon Castle, Myatt Snyder, Brandon Brown said he, he his bell was rung, uh, Brett Moffat, drivers that were involved in that, in that incident. Uh, so some of these drivers uh, were just minding their own business and got caught up in an incident between just the two drivers. Um, so Noah, Mike feels that Noah deserves at least an unofficial talking to by Dale Jr. I don't know that Noah has ever been with a team that is at risk of missing the next race because they wrecked in the previous race. Noah needs to understand that his actions can have consequences for people that can be catastrophic. Yes, it was blatant, and even in the post-race interview, Noah admitted it was intentional, and he believed that uh, Karim deserved it. The problem is that Noah touched off a massive wreck that collected close to a dozen cars. I don't think it was quite that many, uh, about a half a dozen cars, none of which had anything to do with the beef between Noah Gregson and Sage Karam. Uh, a lot of those cars were benchmarker types who are just squeaking by on a shoestring budget. I'm all in for voice have at it and selling your beefs among yourselves, but at the same time, that shouldn't collect a large number of people just minding their own business and trying to run laps. Uh, and he goes on to say maybe a monetary fine or points penalty from NASCAR wouldn't be appropriate, but maybe Junior should uh, take Gregson out to Brandon Brown or Tommy Joe Martins for a few weeks so Noah can hang bodies and prep cars and get an appreciation for just how hard those little teams work. Maybe then he'll be less apt to cause chaos that reaches far beyond his car and the car that he has a beef with. My other issue with this is that uh, my other issue with this is that uh, Noah Gregson ended up finishing up in the uh, top ten, if I remember correctly. Let's see, Brandon Jones. Yeah, I believe he was ninth. Ninth. Yeah. So, no, that was Jeremy Clements. Am I looking at? Yeah. No, Gregson finished eighth. So uh, he ended up finishing eighth and still coming home with a, a decent finish. Uh, Sage Karam, on the other hand, was out on lap 24 and uh, ended up finishing in 31st place, uh, followed by Landon Castle, Myatt, Snyder, Brandon Brown, and Brett Moffitt, all drivers that were involved in that incident. So the guy that kind of hit that off uh, ended up with a top 10 finish while everybody else ended up placing 30th or worse. So I I do think that there needs to be something uh, done uh, with regard to that. Noah Gregson's had this issue in the past. We thought he was making some headway. Uh, but it seems like he took a step back this weekend. 
uh, with uh, blatantly doing that. I wish I could find his uh, comments because I did read it earlier. And uh, his, let me see if I can find this at NASCAR. Um, his comments afterwards uh, were pretty, uh, pretty um, clear that he did that intentionally. So... Uh, let me. Uh, I'll, well, we'll go back to Tommy and let him comment on that, and I'll see if I can find that quote uh, by the time it comes back around to me. Tommy, your thoughts? Well, like y'all were saying, uh, I kind of thought that we were past this. I thought we had seen some maturity this year, but this is definitely a um, a step back. Um, it was definitely intentional, and then he even admitted it. And the worst part, though, is is how violent that crash was. There was about two hard impacts from, like, Brandon Brown and Myatt Snyder and um, maybe even one other car. I mean, it was vicious hits for those guys. And, um, I mean, somebody could have been injured, and I just think that that's ridiculous for, um, uh, for just hard racing, I guess, between them. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was just having a bad day or something. Um, maybe he regrets it, but yeah, it was definitely intentional, and you could tell. And um, I think that NASCAR should look into possibly doing something. I mean, he even admitted it afterwards, and uh, it just mm-hmm. did not look good. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty bad crash. I think that maybe I I don't know about a suspension if they do one. Yeah, you know, maybe one or two races. That's what Matt Kenseth got for doing what he did to Joey. Or um, do you just find him? Or do you dock points? I, you know, there's so many options there to do. Or does uh, Dale Jr. just pull him to the side and talk to him and tell him, you know, you know, two strikes, one more, and you know, we'll see. So I don't know, but it was definitely an intentional one. You can tell, and. Um, then he even admits it later. So it's just, just not looking good. It's just not a good move. Uh, like you guys have said, we thought we had seen some maturity. And the thing is, is, you know, him and Ty Gibbs and, like, John Hunter Nemechek and those guys, those were the upcoming stars, in my opinion. And, yeah, he's one of them with, like, four or five Xfinity wins. And, you know, he's he's got the character, too. So um, maybe he'll rebound from this and then uh, no more mistakes moving forward from him at least for a while. Okay. Um, Jay? Like I said, I'm kind of in the middle here of, and Tommy mentioned the Matt Kenseth suspension, um, and I don't even know that Matt Kenseth fully admitted that one, uh, but it was clear. That had been a case, though, of over several weeks. Being this was one race within, and it was within the race, very unfortunate for a lot of teams that had nothing to do with it. And I don't want to say a name with it, but I know one of the broadcasters had said they didn't have a problem with it. Their only issue was that they wish uh, he'd waited going into the next corner where he could bump Sage Karam off the track and it not affect somebody else. Uh, I'm not fully agreeing with that, but I've always said what Matt Kenseth did at Martinsville with Joey Logano, he went out there and did indeed only take out Joey Logano. So that takes mm-hmm. some, some skill. With that of watching that, like I said, when he did it, it didn't appear, though, that he went to actually hook him. 
It was just to slam him in the door to let him know he was mad. I didn't like the fact that puts it in the driver's side door, but yeah. like I said, it didn't didn't appear that he was really trying to hook him and, and totally take him out, but bump him and let him know he was mad at him. It just, unfortunately, the way it unfolded. So that side of it, I see where NASCAR may not penalize him, but on the other hand, I can see where they have. Um, we haven't seen, when we talk about Noah Gerdson's history, though, we haven't seen as much on track. We've seen multiple off track where he's been involved in scuffles, but not on track. And I know that becomes a big thing when you talk about using the car as a weapon. Um, and, and that's where I said, I, I don't want to see NASCAR have to be involved in that kind of judgment anytime two cars touch. Was it intentional? Was it that they might have to penalize? And that's why I'm afraid that they might open Pandora's box by doing so. But there is enough evidence there. If they were to make that, I wouldn't argue against it either. If they were to make it, do a suspension or penalty of some sort. Yes, indeed. Now, it does say that there were 13 cars uh, that were involved in this melee. Um, Brandon Brown uh, was one of the victims of the accidents. He claimed from his mangled car and set against the retaining wall in turn four, clearly in pain from the hits he had taken uh, from the accident. When he exited the infield care center after evaluation, uh, he was in much better spirits. Uh, Karam uh, was not very forgiving. He says that that was ridiculous. I've never been turned into a straight line like that. You can't get that heated when you're driving a race car. Unfortunately, he let his emotions get the best of him today. And I think that's true. I think that Noah Gregson did let his emotions get the better of him. And he, he, he made a decision that affected a lot of people. Uh, so uh, Gregson said this was his post-race comment. I guess he forgot the three times before that he'd throw it into the corner, Doris, and run us off the racetrack. After a while, you get sick and tired of it. I hate it for his guys, but I'm fighting to race for a championship here, and I'm really over getting run over. He started it. I finished it. We're good. Um, yeah, again, I think it just shows a little bit of immaturity uh, that he took out so many other drivers. He says he hates that that happened, and yet he's the one who made the decision that made that accident happen. So um, uh, at some point, uh, Noah Gregson has to learn how to manage those emotions better. Uh, and I know he, he might get frustrated. Uh, I, I get where he's coming from. Sage Karam is not running for a championship. Uh, he's coming in, and the way he races affects, you know, what's happening with a driver who is racing for a championship. But Mark Gregson, uh, you got to ask yourself, why was he racing with uh, these drivers? Uh, why was he back in the field? Was there a reason why he was back there uh, that put himself at risk? So ultimately, uh, whatever happened to put him back in the in the pack uh, is is partly responsible for this as well. So I, I do think that uh, points penalty thing that really gets the message across that you cannot use your car 
from an emotional point of view to send a message to another driver on the track. Uh, and I know that drivers have done it. You mentioned uh, Kenseth. Kenseth took out one driver, the driver he had a beef with. Noah Gregson did not do that. He took out several drivers. Some drivers were able to recover uh, and still race, but five drivers did not. He took out 13 drivers in that accident. So I, I do think that a message needs to be sent to um, Noah Gregson that that is not acceptable. Uh, it, it's not racing. It's not showing your skill as a driver. It's, it's letting your emotions get the better of you. And Noah Gregson has, still has that learning curve to get through. And I know some drivers never get through that learning curve. And I know part of the passion of being a NASCAR driver is, uh, you know, that drive to win. But at some point you have to manage that. Uh, to be a professional race car driver, and I don't think Noah Gregson is there yet. Tommy, you get the last word here. Yeah, I definitely think that he's going to um, have something happen to him for that, because uh, like we've been saying, he took out a lot of cars. Uh, Brandon Brown, you know, was slow uh, initially after the uh, accident, and uh, it just just did not look good, and um, I'm sure Junior will have a talk with him in addition to all this, and um, yeah, I just can't believe that he took a step back, because, you know, last year he kind of had some fights in his moments, and now um, he had been doing good, and had like he had matured, and like he was going to be cup ready, and then he uh, he did this, so um you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, if he gets suspended or if he gets a fine or if uh, he just gets a slap on the wrist or something. But uh, either way, um, not only did he wreck the field or 13 cars, but then he admitted to it later on on pit road. So uh, he can't hide from it now, which uh, he couldn't hide from it anyway because you could, you could tell he clearly hooked them on the track too. So anyway, um, maybe he'll uh, learn from this and maybe he'll uh, – mature out from it. Um, we'll let that be the last word. Now, uh, Elton Sawyer on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio says that all options are on the table for potential penalties or not. Uh, Noah Gregson, after intentionally wrecking Sage Caramon Road America, finds points suspension or nothing are part of the options there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Jay, you get to bring up the next topic. Well, I just wanted to add this real quick. You know, his his actions does affect a lot of people. You don't ever know because that was my pick for Atlanta this weekend, but I don't know if he's going to be suspended, so I couldn't pick him. So just wanted to throw that out there, too. It affects even me. Um, next, next hot topic, okay. we got Mike putting in a release that looks like from NASCAR and NBC. The teams of Christopher Bell and Bubba Wallace are going to swap pit crew members heading into Sunday's cup race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, some real interesting things there between the JGR and Team 2311. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts about this? Yeah, so, um, you know, kind of 
we had talked about this last week a little bit about how um, Bubba's pit crew was struggling a little bit. So I'm really surprised here to see to see this that they're going to make the switch um, from Christopher Bell over to Bubba. So uh, we'll see how Christopher Bell handles Bubba's team. But uh, I said last week that it's kind of ridiculous that Bubba got that much flack for what he said. I mean. Kevin Harvick and other drivers do it all the time, so I, I I didn't see what the big deal was. I guess just Bubba that fly, but um, yeah, maybe now Bubba can get it turned around. I mean, he's been running good until he's had those pit stops, so maybe now he'll uh, he'll have the results to back um, his good performances. So, um, as for Christopher Bell, though, um, he I guess he loses some good crew members, and uh, we'll see how he. Yeah, I think this is an interesting scenario because Christopher Bell uh, is much higher in the series point standings uh, than Bubba Wallace. Let me look at that uh, just to kind of back up what I'm saying here. Um, In the Cup Series point standings, Christopher Bell... Go ahead. He's eight I was going to say, Sharon, we, in, yeah, eighth. And if we, if a new winner comes from below the cut line, he would be the next one. Remember when we were talking about their point standings, mm-hmm. he's the next one on the line if we get a new winner from below the cut line. Exactly, exactly. And Bubba Wallace is ranked 25th. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that they're taking the pit crew from a driver who is eighth in the series point standings and putting it on the team that is 25th in the series point standings uh, to see if they can help him. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, and and maybe it will kind of put a spotlight on, on if it is the pit crew or if it is communications or what the problem might be. But um, uh, I understand Bubba Wallace's frustration. Um, but again, and I know other people have done this. It's it's how they do it, and 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 that that I, I think he was a little bit harsh, to be honest with you. I, I I've heard Kevin Harvick do it. I've heard Kurt Busch do it. I've heard Kyle Busch do it, uh, and I know they've been harsh too. Um, but it's it's what do they do after that? And how do they handle it after that? That's what we don't see. And I've got a feeling that he may have burned some bridges uh, at this this last incident. And when you burn that bridge, this pit crew isn't going to do anything to help you. So I think it was smart uh, for them to make the switch from that perspective uh, to give uh, Bubba Wallace a chance work with a different crew that might be more willing toward him uh, in moving forward. Uh, But I I do feel like Christopher Bell is getting the short end of the stick here. And maybe we'll find out that these guys aren't as bad as Bubba Wallace thinks they are if they can help uh, Christopher Bell, you know, improve his uh, situation. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but uh, I, I, there's just so many layers here 
uh, that makes this an interesting scenario. Again, taking the pick group from 25th place, Bubba Wallace, um, and putting it on the number eight team of Christopher Bell and moving that team down to the 25th place team. Uh, on the surface, it doesn't look like a smart move, uh, but we don't know, again, what's going on behind the scenes. And I suspect there are some things behind the scenes that are going here that are causing that to happen. Uh, so let's go back to um, Jay. What are your thoughts, Jay? All right. I know it's still three minutes out. Uh, did you want to do your announcement this early or jump in whenever yeah, you need to? Yeah, let me go ahead and do it. Thank you, Jay. Okay. Let me go ahead and do it here. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, uh, uh, at this time of the night, we do it a special around clip for our first power listeners. Uh, and just to remind everybody that we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. But we are going to continue our conversation here, so you'll hear us go off the air uh, mid-sentence. We continue to record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material so that uh, fans can listen to that on our podcast. Now, I'll go out on Twitter and uh, Facebook now to let you know that the podcast is now available. And at that point, you can go to our player at com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, again, we do record that. Uh, so that it is available for our listeners on the podcast. So watch for those uh, that tweet and that information on uh, Facebook, and uh, we'll go ahead and proceed with Jay's comments here. You hit on a keyword there, Sharon. There's levels to this. Uh, whether or not Bubba Wallace was justified, you mentioned several drivers. We've seen it before, taking it out on the crew. But the, it's been documented, the problems that he's had a fast car, and it has been pit issues that have cost him finishes. Uh, mm-hmm. The broadcasters all talked about that. I think the key factor in a change being made was Kurt Busch calling out JGR of, of the supply issue of who they're providing to the team. Now, Mike put up, you know, it's interesting that they didn't take maybe from Denny Hamlin or Kyle Busch's team who already have wins and are very securely in the playoffs, whereas Christopher mm-hmm. Bell kind of is possibly on the bubble. As uh, Sharon pointed out, if a new winner comes from 16, below 16th that doesn't have a victory yet, it would bump it all the way up to Christopher Bell in eighth as far as being the driver pushed out. So that toying with Christopher Bell's team is kind of the most risky, if you ask me. Um but I do think a change need to be, needed to be made. And then the other thing you said, Sharon, there is, that, you know, what has all happened uh, behind the scenes, the discussions that were had, how this came about, we'll never know uh, unless somebody goes public with it, which I don't think they would. Um, as you mentioned, that might have been a better way to handle the situation um, to begin with for Bubba Wallace, but we've seen it all year long. So I, I do think he was justified in it, even uh, – his crew chief, Booty Barker, you know, said, hey, you have every right to be upset um, to try and bring him back down. And I think that they have since. I know I saw Bubba Wallace's interview of they did talk as a team to get back on the same page, and I think they can and will. Uh, they're too good a team to not. Um, both Bubba mm-hmm. Wallace as a driver as well as that team. We've seen what 2311 has done 
uh, in the two years of existence, having expanded with Kurt Busch. So I think overall it should be a good thing. But I'm with Mike. I, I don't know if I'd have toyed with the number 20, being that they're at the risk they're at, even being an eighth, eighth in points. Yeah, I'm just really kind of shocked that they're doing that. Um, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the uh, the whole part of him upsetting his kick crew so bad today, left in part. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, he, Kevin Hart, other drivers, a more blunt, but, I mean, Got to be frustrated. I mean, and it's been how many other weeks in a row that he's had an error. So, I mean, it was eventually going to build over and happen. Um, just, you know, Christopher Bell's going to get the short end of the stick here, and uh, maybe Bubba will get, um, like I said, maybe he'll find some more consistency on pit road now, and uh, maybe he'll get to turn those. Uh, those uh, maybe he will have a pit stop error, and he can, you know, round out good finishes instead of running good and have a terrible finish. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, th- I guess it's just one of those things we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, your your suggestions, Gay, I thought were good suggestions. Why didn't they take it from a team that already has the win and they're in the playoffs already instead of taking, putting Christopher back? who is actually on the bubble right now uh, and making him more vulnerable. Uh, that part of it does not make sense to me. But um, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe it will be a genius move in the long run. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, I know a lot of people will be watching that uh, at this next race. Jay, your final thoughts? Well, and and not being on the inside and being part of the decision-making, but we know that Joe Gibbs has to have some other crews, whether it be for Xfinity teams that, that are uh, doing doing stuff for the Xfinity series or, or when they have crew suspensions or missing people um, that they fill in, that maybe some personnel change without swapping the entire crew um, from a team, no matter what position they're in. I, I'm sure Kyle Busch, uh, he's, he's got two wins. Danny Hamlin's got two wins saying, hey, my crew got me here. Don't take them away. So, I, 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 you know, if you would have done that, I'm sure uh, Hamlin or uh, Kyle Busch would have had some uh, things to say as well as far as them taking their crew. Uh, the other thing mm-hmm. I would like to say, I guess, would be kudos to the crew. I didn't hear any of the crew this past weekend after Road America come out and call out Bubba Wallace. Uh, you mentioned he wasn't involved in a wreck, but finished yeah. way down the list. Uh, he spent some time off road. So <laughs> kudos to the crew for not coming on and saying, Hey, we got you out of the pizza fast enough. You just didn't do it on the track this week. Exactly. They could have very well have done that. Okay. Tommy, what's our next hot topic? All right. Let's go with, um, Let's go with the Beyond the Flag article on how Suarez didn't clinch a uh, playoff spot. But, um, of course, we know that that's not factual unless if there's 16 or 17 winners, then there might be a possibility of somebody not making Okay, Jay, your thoughts? 
Well, we talked about this. Uh, we all use the montage of you win and you're in. It is possible. Technically, uh, the way it is written, uh, it is true. He has not technically clinched. The only way you clinch this early in the season is to have two victories because there can't be 13 drivers, um, more than 16 drivers that have two wins. So their, their headline is technically correct. Uh, and this year it is possible, as we talked about, we could have, uh, what do we decide, Sharon, eight, eight more races if we were to get three more uh, winners from below the cut line that it's possible um, for that. Denny Hamlin is exempt from that because he does have the two victories. So the implication uh, is kind of far-fetched. Uh, we've always believed that win and you're in, but we've seen it. We're coming close to it again this year. It is possible a win does not lock you in. So I think that's what people uh, were taking issue with, um, the fact that we say one thing, but it, uh, technically uh, it is not true. Uh, a win does not guarantee you to be in the playoffs yet, yet at this point. So I understand uh, both sides to it. Uh, it's just a, I don't know how to say it, grammatical issue, Flick if bait. you will. Um, <laughs> what's that? Clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we haven't seen it yet, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, and we'll have to see over these next eight races. I'm one again this year. It just seems like it really could. I know I said that last year too, with a, and it would have been a costly for Michael McDowell as he would have been that one. Um, hate to hate to be the driver that the first year it happens is the one with a victory on the outside looking in. Yeah, I hate to see that happen as well. Uh, and you're right. Technically, it's it's true. There are eight more races left for the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, so there is a chance that even though they have a win, uh, but what would have to happen uh, is that uh, we've been talking about Kevin Harvick right now is below the cut line. He's 11th in the series point standing. Eric Almarola is out. He is 12th in the series point standing. Uh, but they, neither one of them have a win. The next one's on that uh, chopping block. If somebody below 16th gets another win, that would knock out Christopher Bell, and then Martin Truex Jr. is next in line to go below the cut line uh, because they don't have wins. Um, and then the last one without a win is Ryan Blaney, and he's second in the series point standings. I think he's safe at this point. Uh, it depends on what happens. So um, Denny Hamlin is below the cut line in 20th place. He has two victories. Um, and Daniel Suarez is the other driver that is below the cut line. He's 17th with one race. And, What's going to help Daniel? What's going to help Daniel Suarez though, and Denny Hamlin, is that they have playoff points. Uh, they've got uh, Daniel Suarez has Suarez has the five points uh, for the win. He also has two stage wins, giving him seven playoff points. Denny Hamlin's in even better position with two victories and two stage wins for twelve playoff points. So that's going to be part of what factors in 
to the resetting of the series point standings. There are drivers that are below them uh, with playoff points. For instance, uh, in seventh. So uh, Ryan Blaney only has five playoff points. Uh, Martin Drex Jr. only five playoff points. Uh, also, Austin Sindrick only has six playoff points. So there are drivers below them that have fewer playoff points. So I think that may factor into this as well. So uh, Daniel Suarez, let's see, the highest is 13th, and you have three drivers with 13 playoff points. You have two drivers with 12 playoff points. And then seventh, there are one, two, three, four, five drivers with seven playoff points. So uh, keep that in mind here as well, uh, that those playoff points are going to factor into all of this as well. So just just some other perspectives here that I don't think were brought out in, in that article. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, the beyond the flag, the post is still kind of um, – questionable in my opinion. They labeled it definitely like that so that way people would uh would click on it. Uh and I understand that. But I mean technically I mean y'all are right Suarez would need two wins to be logged in, but he does have one win which does pretty much mean that he could be in the playoffs. But now there are six races, five or six races left before the playoffs and there could be three or four more winners which would definitely make it more interesting. And then there would be somebody that would be the odd man out um, to miss the playoffs if, if there are 17 winners or 16 winners. So um, not safe, but really close to being safe is how I would say Suarez. And I, I don't know. I just labeled the, I would have labeled the article a little bit different than uh, even though with the win Suarez isn't guaranteed or something like that because it. Definitely just seemed like a clickbait thing to me. But that's my opinion. Um, you guys are right, though. I mean, we could have three or four more winners, and he could be the odd man out. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we've got Daytona coming up. That's always interesting, and I, I can't wait. That's only a month away now in August. Uh, Pocono's coming up soon. I think Watkins Glen and the road course. I mean, there's still some opportunities for so many other drivers to win. So who knows how this is going to work out. But um, for now, I would definitely say that Suarez, can re- he can relax for now. But if a few other guys start winning, I'd get nervous. Your thoughts? Did we lose, Jay? No, I'm here. Okay. Um, Calling it the clickbait, I mean, that's the intent of the headline of an article or or whatever you're putting out there as as the front page for that reason. So I don't blame them for what they're putting. And, you know, it appears I get, get, as you all know, I get frustrated with people that want to tear things apart. I mean, what they're saying is true and factual. If you know what, how the system works. They don't include all of the information. 
<laughs> but that's what you got to you got to get into the article then, which is their goal. That's their goal is to get you onto their page via whatever they're promoting. Uh, you know, the headline uh, of the article. That's the reason for it. Once you get into it, you understand what they're saying is truthful and backed up. I know we've had some in the past that uh, from that site specifically that have been questionable of not providing the information once you're into the article. I think in this one they certainly do, though, and we are backing it up with what we've uh, talked about here tonight. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the people that just want to right away throw up a red flag and, and berate somebody for what they're doing when it's truth. I mean, that's what it comes down to. What the headline says is truthful. He is not locked into the playoffs at this point. So how can you argue it? Um, could it have been worded differently? Certainly. But it did its job in got people onto the site and looking at it and talking about it. So uh, I know uh, the fact that it's that's Daniel Suarez. That's why I like to talk about their articles. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, we have, And there have been some in the past, I, I would have to agree, Sharon, that as we talked about them, it's like they, they had no meat with that behind the headline and uh, truth and facts to back it up, that it was more opinionated or uh, questionable as to whether or not it was truthful and factual. Um, and I think in this that case, is still I do, the case with this article because they omit some information. Okay, I felt like they did provide the, the facts to back it up, but that, that's a different perspective, I guess. And the fact, I guess maybe, I take that back, maybe it is that, that it's not fully in the article, but I'm aware of what the, the system is, so my own knowledge is applying, being applied to the article, I guess. So that could be true. You're right, for a casual fan, maybe that um, it's not enough information to back up what the headline says. Um, certainly could have been done differently. Um, but the reality is, is, as we've talked about it all night, you know, Christopher Bell being eighth in points is at risk right now, um, as well as the next one up you mentioned, Martin Truex. And there may may have been a better way to go about it, especially starting with the headline of putting it as it's possible that Daniel Suarez doesn't make it in, um, even just to lead down that road. But uh it's certainly not one I thought should have caused as big a storm as it did on Twitter, but nowadays I feel like anything you do does. So that's my two cents. Okay. And and I get where you're coming from. Um, I, I get where you're coming from. When you write an article, you want people to come to your page to read what it is that you have to say. I get all of that. And, and some articles do that very, very well. I just don't think that they do very well at that particular location. I think that they uh, information sometimes and don't always give the full picture. Um, and, and for the casual viewer, yes, that is going to be an issue because they're basing their opinion based on partial information. I do think that there are other drivers that could be more vulnerable than uh, Daniel Suarez, who has the seven playoff points. Uh, the reason Kevin Harvick and Eric Almirola are so vulnerable is they have no stage wins at all. Um, they have zero playoff points. Uh, same thing with Christopher Bell. He has zero playoff points. Um, the next drivers that are going to be vulnerable 
are those drivers that have just the five playoff points. And that's Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney, who sits in second. I think that's going to be a huge story if Ryan Blaney uh, gets cut out of this. Daniel Suarez has, uh, in addition to the win, he has stage wins. So he has seven less vulnerable. So I do think that um, they're not giving the complete picture on that story. So I, 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 um, uh, I, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out and if it is going to be a factor. But I do think it's raising an alarm and uh, identifying Daniel Suarez uh, as a driver who is more vulnerable than a driver like Christopher Bell or uh, the other two drivers that I mentioned who are, are equally vulnerable or even more vulnerable than Daniel Suarez is. So that's just my two cents worth on that. So, Tommy, your thoughts. Uh, Sharon, if you didn't see uh, in a message there, uh, Tommy said his uh, call dropped. Uh, he asked, he, I don't think you can call back in after 930, correct? No, no, 1030. Okay. Or 1030 Eastern, okay. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, his call uh, dropped. Tommy. Okay. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll have to leave it at that. Uh, but Jay, any other topics you want to bring up? Well, I know I told him we'd probably only have one more, if that, based on time. Um, real quick one here I think should be rather short. I know my opinion on it is is RFK has dropped their appeal. They had crew members being suspended due to a loose wheel, which we have seen throughout the year. Uh, and our new listener, Jared Hudson, said that was his one hot topic. He doesn't like the single lug nut uh, and I know the tire, that we've, did, we've discussed the tire issue, but they have dropped their appeal um, with that, and I'll wait and give my opinion on it here in a second. But that, that that should be a quick one here to wrap up the night. Well, I think that that's smart. <laughs> um, I think that uh, RFK uh, did the right thing by dropping their appeal. We've had several appeals of the luggage uh, situation, and NASCAR has made it very clear uh, everybody is equipment, uh, and we pointed it out. Several teams have done it well, and they're not having these issues. It seems like there are some teams uh, that haven't figured it out, and they're the teams that are having the issues. So I, I do think that uh, they really have to look at their process that they have in place and what do they need to be doing differently to be more successful at getting that lug nut on. Uh, I think NBC did a really good um, uh, segment on the single lug nut and exactly what teams need to be doing. And they showed exactly what they need to watch for when they're putting that lug nut on. Um, and uh, like I say, in what what did we say? About ten situations so far this season, and that seems like a lot. But when you think about how many stops there are, how many teams there are, and um, 
how many races, 18 races so far, or is it 16? Uh, no, it's 18 races. 18 <clears throat> races that we've had so far this season, um, and, you know, several pit stops throughout the course of a race. Uh, it seems to me that um, that 10, you know, when you put it in perspective, 10 is really not that many. So I do think that those teams that are having the issues, it puts the earnest on them to really take a closer look. I have a most, uh, I have more of an issue with the fact that the penalty that they give does not seem to be effective <laughs> uh, because we talked about how the crew chief for Kyle Larson is sitting in the race center at Hendrick Motorsports still being a part of what's happening at the racetrack and giving his input. I, I think the penalty is more of an issue um, than the teams, uh, whether or not the teams are feeling it or not. Uh, and so far, of all of the appeals that have taken place, I think uh, not many have uh, – I think RFK at the very beginning uh, said that they thought they had a better idea for that uh, lug nut, and NASCAR did end up incorporating that idea, uh, which was a good thing. <laughs> I'm not disputing that, but I think in – of the cases in the other nine cases or whatever, uh, they've all agreed that the, the ownership was on the part of the team itself, and they have to look at what they're doing uh, to, do, to do it better. So, Jay, I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah, the the deal with RFK early in the year though wasn't the wheel coming off during the race that caused that penalty. That was modifying the rim or the lug nut oh, one of the two, right. I don't remember where, you're right. um, before it went on. So that was kind of a separate deal. I don't believe that any of the appeals um, for the actual loose wheel have been successful. Uh, there were a couple that I thought might actually be. My issue, uh, I know, Sharon, you talked about the, the penalty, and we agree on that, that that's not effective and they need to do something different um, with the crew chief uh, still running the team. My issue here is, being that the track record, uh, whatever it is, 10, 11, 12, that have failed, they appeal it. They even talked about it on the broadcast on Sunday. That was a manipulation of it. If you appeal, you don't lose that, those team, team members, starting with the crew chief, until the appeal yes. is heard. <laughs> they intentionally did it, kept the crew chief for that race, they felt like they had a really good shot at winning that race. Um, so once that race was over, they were willing to take the loss during the next four. But they wanted the team together for that specific race. So there is my problem is, is they manipulated the rule. They had no intention of fighting this all the way through under the appeal. They just wanted them there for Road America, the road course race. And that's where I have the problem. Did they do something legally wrong? No, they manipulated the rule, though, because they had no intention of it. Correct. And I agree. I think that that is an issue. I think more so than the single lug nut. Um, uh, a lot of these teams have figured it out. These other teams need to, to really spend the time to figure it out for their team. 
uh, and and that's where I stand on that. Um, and uh, NASCAR has made it really clear as well that this is the way they're going forward, uh, and the teams have to figure it out. So, uh, like you said, none of those appeals have really been successful for that reason. Um, you know, so I don't know what else to say with regard to that. I have a problem with the manipulation of the rule uh, in order to benefit their team. And I do think the NASA needs to look at that. I think that's more of a hot topic than the lug nut itself. You're right. Uh, you know, and I am still not particularly a fan of the single lug nut, um, but the change has been made. We're dealing with it. The only reason it's been a story has been because of the few instances you mentioned. But again, four four, tar, four tires per car, per pit stop, per race, it really hasn't been an issue. Other than in the past, if you had three or four lug nuts on and you could feel it coming loose, you had time to get to pit road and get it taken care of before the wheel came off. Um, but you're right. NASCAR said, hey, there is no excuse. You know if there's an issue We'll help you with it, but we're not going to give you a, a, a slide there, a waiver when it happens, um, because it is being successfully done majority of the time. The, the only two, uh, and I'm trying to remember which two teams it was, I think it was Justin Haley's was one, and I believe Kyle Larson's, because on the road course, I felt like maybe some of the damage done during the race, whether it was his fault or not, being off course, that on a road course or hitting the wall, damage to the wheel might have caused it to not the lack of getting the lug nut on right. But those two also mm-hmm. did not go by NASCAR. So they're saying, hey, you know, that's if it's that bad that we feel race damage did it, we might take a look at it. But neither one of those did they buy that. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't see anybody getting getting by with it. Uh, I, like I said, my issue was the fact that they talked about it during the broadcast they kind of made it public that their intent was to have him there for that race. That was their best. They felt their best shot. And he did finish in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So I understand it. And by the rule book, technically it was not wrong, but it's, it's public knowledge. They manipulated the rule. <laughs> <laughs> Basically that's exactly what they did. Uh, and right now the way the rules written, they can do that. But I do think NASCAR needs to look at it. Okay, we're at the uh, end of our time here on Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, so, Jay, let's go ahead and chew uh, uh, our across the table instead of our round table. We lost Tommy. Uh, did he come out with uh, a comment here? Uh, I was just going to look at that real quick. I, don't, I didn't see him respond on that or not. Uh, does not look like it. And okay. I think Sharon, Sharon, you might have it handy if you want to give his Twitter uh, account there when you, when it comes back. But mine is uh, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, Michael Hoosman on Facebook. Uh, coming up for the week, obviously be back on Thursday night for the preview of Atlanta and then Mid-Ohio um, for a preview show on Thursday. And it looks like I'm off for the weekend, so who knows what I'm going to do over the weekend yet. I just found out I was off for the weekend. I didn't know <laughs> Wasn't in my plans. I don't know what this off day is about, so I'll have to see what What, I can uh, get into. Okay, well, I know you'll be back on Thursday night. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, it was a sprint car race, and they're saying shortage of tires is why they had to pull the show. So 
We'll just leave it at that. Uh, watching. Okay, uh, Tommy is Tommy underscore C24 at Since95 Fan, and one of the things Tommy does uh, that is so cool is he's got a, quite a collection of diecasts. And every day he comes out with uh, his diecast showing today's date. So uh, I really enjoy that because I see some diecasts uh, that I have some schemes, some paint schemes that I haven't seen in quite a while. And uh, it takes you down memory lane uh, and he does that every day. So really enjoy what Tommy is it, doing with that. Uh, it does ahead. indeed give you some flashbacks, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. I am Pamperation Psych on Twitter. Uh, we are Pamperation Blog and Radio everywhere else, including Pamperation.com. And uh, we do have our player there so that you can listen uh, to the live broadcast or to the podcast afterwards. And uh, we really hope that uh, you enjoy listening to the show as much as we enjoy doing the show. Uh, So a big shout-out to our listeners for taking the time uh, to tune in. And a shout-out to our new listeners tonight, uh, Jay. Thank you for bringing him uh, to the show. And I appreciate uh, the interaction with him throughout the show here as well. Uh, any other fans, if you do want to interact with us, we are always uh, on Twitter. Um, uh, and just shoot us a line if uh, you comment about what we're talking about. And we're happy to, we're happy to give you a shout-out here on the show. Um, so, uh, again, thanks. Uh, what was his name again, Jay? Uh, Jared Hudson works with the Southern Dirt Track Report. Uh, they also, and that, that's why normally I'd say he's not able to listen. We're on Tuesday night. They have their own Thursday night podcast as well on the 110 Nation. So uh works with Chris. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very cool. So uh, very nice that he, he uh, uh, interacted here with us tonight. We appreciate that. And um, uh, definitely uh, looking forward to uh, doing our preview show that's coming up this weekend. Uh, We will be racing two tracks this weekend, uh, Road America and Atlanta. So uh, you have, uh, I I said Road America, I mean Mid-Ohio for the Arkham Menard Series and the Truck Series, but the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series will be racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. So we'll preview all of that on Thursday night. And uh, a shout-out to uh, our fan racing crew. First of all, Jay, for you, for standing in for Sal, who is on vacation uh, tonight, and uh, to Tommy for tuning in and and helping us out with our Hot Topics uh, conversation here uh, tonight as well. Uh, So with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, unless I missed something. No, I don't think so. Uh, We will talk to you on Thursday as we get ready to preview the next upcoming weekend. Have a good night. Starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time here at Stamper Racing Radio. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.